This is now really hard to believe, but it's only 12 months ago that there were people who were seriously arguing that the future was going to be all about the metaverse. <laughs> yes, and we all sat there and chuckled the first time we saw a conference presentation that had been written by ChatGPT. Uh, but I must admit now at the end of 2023, when people are still doing it, less funny. Hello and welcome to the DPP podcast. I'm Edward Qualtro, Editorial Director here at the DPP, and in the last 12 months, the DPP podcast has heard from 26 leaders from media, entertainment and broadcast companies, so the likes of Disney, Warner Brothers Discovery, Paramount, the BBC, ITV, TikTok and many more. 27 top practitioners from media tech suppliers and innovators, from the biggest technology companies to the growing startups, and also three other experts, including analyst companies, consulting organizations, and a CTO from outside the sector. But for this final episode of 2023, we have on the DPP's very own CEO Mark Harrison and CTO Rowan de Pomeray to do something we said we would not do, and that is have three white men for a semi-structured ramble about the state of the industry. With many organisations and individuals sharing their predictions and foresight for 2024 and beyond, we thought it was a good opportunity for Rowan and Mark to share their anti-predictions what won't happen, and perhaps what is there to avoid, as well as sharing some of the reflections about the major themes of 2023 and what developments the media industry can expect over the coming year. Rowan and Mark, welcome. Straight in here, a year is a long time in media. When you think back to the beginning of 2023, what do you think seems like it could have been from a different age or era entirely? Well, when I think back, I kind of can't believe that I'm sitting in my hotel room in Las Vegas at CES, the beginning of January, messaging Rowan to say, do you think that if I say in this report, don't invest in the metaverse. I'm going too far. And, you know, that seemed like a really bold thing to say at the beginning of January. And of course, by the end of January, nobody could have given less of a damn about the metaverse because <laughs> everybody was talking about ChatGPT. Yes, indeed. But, but even that itself, I mean, oh, I remember the first time I sat in a in a conference and watch somebody do a presentation and reveal that they'd written part of what they were saying using ChatGPT and it was terribly witty and terribly funny. And here at the end of the year, maybe maybe not so much. Um, it's, <laughs> it's remarkable uh, just how quickly our attitudes have changed around this. I think we've, we've gone from like childish kids in a company store, like really sort of excited to play with new tech to, uh, to, to much more kind of sober and, and business focused thinking about, about how we're going to use it. So, yeah, I, I, uh, I miss those heady early days of generative AI. <laughs> although, although I, I take it as a positive thing that actually the kind of crazy giggly hype stage around generative AI only lasted about three or four months, didn't it, before actually everyone settled down into quite sensible conversations. And that's, yes. I think that has to be a world record. You know, you know those charts about speed of adoption, you know, length oh, of time to get cycles. to 100 million, this or that. Yep. I think the kind of, the giddiness cycle is shortening yep. with tech. I agree. 
It does seem like an age ago. I remember your metaverse comment at the event we did back in January, the do not invest in the metaverse uh, phrase that we also used in the podcast as a little clip. And uh, it reminded me of when I've seen people from FTSE 100 companies do a presentation and they always introduce it by saying, any shares you may invest in, you cannot hold uh, me or this organisation responsible. And our position is almost completely the opposite for you to go on and say, do not invest in this product. And it does seem like a... You can hold me responsible <laughs> for not doing so. Yeah. So, yeah, the first question of the reader's questions, and you were very quick to answer that, Mark, because almost if you came up with it yourself. So, question two, any particular highlights or memorable moments from our own work or sessions or events or trips from 2023 so an opportunity to be slightly self-aggrandizing but <laughs> don't be too nauseatingly self-indulgent I'll, I'll try not to be um but but i think for me personally it has to be the media supply festival our, our event in uh, on the east coast of the u.s uh, so the previous year it was in dallas just outside washington this year we moved it to new york um, and it really did feel significant being in one of the great broadcasting cities of the world. You know, it was the, it was the biggest instance of that conference we've done. I think the program was was our strongest yet. Um, you know, doing one to one interviews with CTOs of uh, Sinclair and Channel Four and Paramount. Uh, that was a real highlight to the morning of day two. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of just uh, a feeling of really growing. Um, the excitement in the DPP community and also, frankly, a sense of personal achievement. You know, I, I, I led on that event. Um, that's that's the thing that stands out for me this year. Sorry, that probably was quite self aggrandizing Was it ever billed outside of these walls as C-Suite Friday? Or <laughs> <laughs> I think that was just our internal term. Okay, yeah. well, the, secret, the secret's out. Yeah. I, I would say for me, it's probably the fact that, you know, through the year, uh, we've had a number of uh, executive dinners in cities uh, in America and in Europe and one of the privileges of this job is that Rowan and I always get to choose the wine yep. um, and, and as <laughs> self-described wine snobs um, this means we're absolutely guaranteed a good evening never mind what the quality of the conversation <laughs> however however uh, more seriously I mean I Every single time we do one of those dinners, I just kind of pinch myself. You know, there's that moment at the start of the evening when you go around the table and you ask people just to introduce themselves and say where they're from. And, you know, you, you listen to these 15 or 20 people um, name themselves and their companies and you just think, I actually do have the best job in this industry because I get to spend an evening listening to what these people think and it's it is a complete privilege and to drink good wine i had my own moment of that i think in february um at the ivy that was a really good conversation about multi-cloud and it was a great great uh, delegate list and attendee list and helped shape our work as well to hear what happens behind those doors and i do remember you helping with the wine list <laughs> i think you had a particularly busy afternoon i don't know if you were report writing at the time um but when Anne asked me uh, about it was time to choose the wine, you immediately, your ears pricked up and you got involved and <laughs> parts whatever it was that you were already doing to make sure that we didn't make any um, horrible Yeah, parts. yeah. But Anne has learned this, that, she, that never mind how busy I might be, she can always interrupt me with a, with a, a wine list that needs selecting from. 
you've talked about some of the uh, highlights, some of the good points. Are there any things that didn't go quite so well, any bad moments on stage, things that maybe the audience would have noticed or wouldn't, or things that you, you got wrong? It can't oh, all be non-stop abs success. Absolutely. Um, do you know what? Uh, the one the one that, that really got me it was a, a really small thing, but everybody in the DPP team will tell you that I spent the entire day whinging about how upset with myself I was. Uh, and the latest briefing this year when uh, I was just wrapping up the end of a session and I just had a total brain blank about the name of one of my speakers who I'd just been speaking to um, and, and who, you know, I, I got to know over the day and, and uh, had a lot of respect for, but it was just one of those moments where there's just nothing in your head and I, and I had to turn to them and, and thankfully they were very, very gracious and just uh, mouthed their name at me so that I could, I could just kind of clasp victory from the jaws of defeat. But, uh, but I was furious because getting people's names right on stage is a, is a, a point of pride for me and, and one that I failed on in that instance. Yeah, I had a moment at uh, the Media Supply Festival actually in New York where um, we'd asked the AV team to, to give us in earpieces so that Rowan and I could talk to each other, you know, when the other one was on stage. And they actually, they'd, they'd not come up with one. They'd rushed out to kind of get one during the morning and at lunchtime. They said, here it is. And they just sort of put it in my ear and I went straight on stage. And what I actually got was a mix of sort of noisy hash and my own voice. <laughs> and in addition, they also uh, failed to set the timer properly for the for the countdown timer for the session uh, that I had to look at from the stage in order to sort of know where I was. And I began this one-on-one -on -one interview completely distracted. I could only hear my own voice and I didn't know how long the interview was supposed to be. So um, that was just one of those, yeah, one of those horrible moments where you know you, you're, you're out of control and you don't quite know how to get it back. Are you, you're absolutely certain it wasn't a uh, Gen AI innovation of your internal monologue? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, if, if my internal monologue is, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, then yeah, I could do without Gen AI, I think. We're getting to the time of year when organisations, and we will be included in this, start releasing predictions and some are quite grandiose. They're all a bit of serious fun is the way I sort of see these things, essentially, especially the way uh, that we approach it. Before we do that, because we let our members do ours, do you have any non-mainstream industry themes of 2023 going into 2024 that you think our industry and members need to be acutely aware of? So by non-mainstream, I mean, everybody's talking about Gen AI or various things related to trends in production. So what would be your non-canon versions? Well, I think one for me that's sort of, you have to tell me everybody this counts, but I feel is constantly bubbling under, but I, I just wonder whether anybody actually will pull it out in their predictions is that there's an awful lot of talk about user experience and user interfaces, whether it's consumers or whether actually more significantly, whether it's business users. And I've got a feeling we're going to hear a lot about that next year. Um, and certainly uh, in the conversations between uh, between customers and uh, their suppliers, that's going to be like a big factor in what makes the buyers decide whether or not they want to commit to a product. 
Yeah, I think I think there's really something in that actually, and, and the realization that internal users are just users like anybody else. So you know, the, the UX of internal tools matters as well. Um, so it's sort of slightly related. Um, I've been noticing a bit of a shift recently, actually, that if we go back a year or two, there was so much conversation about uh, media companies wanting sort of modular solutions and microservices-based architectures and, and you know, really flexible, best-of-breed uh, tools all plugged together. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, there's still a, a good chunk of that around, but I feel like the pendulum is just starting to swing back in the other direction a bit, that I'm hearing more people say, do you know what, we, we've got to focus on delivering effectively, quickly, and um, and so we're looking for partners that we can really buy into. And, and so, you know, <clears throat> by no means universally, but, but more than we were, you know, growing trend, I think, of, of uh, buyers looking for key partners um, who can provide you know, substantial parts of their tool set. And the reason I say that's tangentially related is, you know, if you want to provide a great experience for your internal users, you've either got to be developing your own bespoke user experience, or you've got to be getting a unified user experience from a vendor, because uh, giving your end users 20 different user interfaces to use on a day-to-day basis is not a good user experience. Yeah, that's a really interesting one. That is, that's quite a shift that's happened yeah. quite quickly. And, and, and don't get me wrong, you know, I don't think it's, it's uh, I don't think it's like the, the be all end all. I think everybody's there, and there are plenty of people still doing modular stuff. We had some great use cases around that this year, um, but it, it doesn't feel like doctrine anymore. It doesn't feel like everybody going in the same direction. It definitely feels like a bit of a swing back. I'll make one other prediction, which maybe is in in your kind of canon of, of like key themes. But it's a personal view, and I don't think it's one that will be expressed more widely. I actually think we're going to see a dip in AI kind of excitement in 24. A lot of people are kind of working away in the background, looking at how to apply AI to their businesses. And I think we might be surprised at how quiet it's gone by the back end of next year. So, for instance, I will kind of bet that at the leaders briefing in 2024, it may slip down the kind of priority list and then it will come roaring back in 25 and 26 when um, a certain level of maturity has been reached and actually this this starts to become real. Okay, we will throw that to some of our members when we (laughs) workshop this. We'll throw it at me in a year's time. Yeah. So I think they do count as non-mainstream and that UX point is interesting because as someone who's sort of relatively newer or not relatively significantly newer to the industry, it does seem like that consumerization of the tools in media is a bit slower behind, but maybe, mm-hmm. you know, doing it for an ERP system and some CRM for a business was much easier. Um, and media, you know, the amount of people who say you're no different to everyone else, but it is a bit different. There are very specific tools. Yeah, and it's a niche them. industry. This is the thing we have to keep on reminding ourselves of. It's actually... Professional media is a really, really small sector compared to other industries. So um, when that's the case, you tend to get kind of artisanal tools and ways of working uh, surviving for longer. Rather than predictions, what are your anti-predictions in (laughs) inverted commas that I'm going to call them? What are the things that 
people in the industry need to either not care about or can feel free to ignore or technologies which won't break through and you hinted at the metaverse earlier but anything else that you would consider in that bracket okay can i be outrageous then i'd like to say if anybody has got um or you know hears about a proposed proof of concept around anything especially in the production space that somebody is telling you is a whole new way of doing things just can it bin it stop it <laughs> forbid it whatever you must do do not let it happen because it's a waste of your time and money the industry is moving really fast and we are actually i think a bit too polite with each other about just how competitive it is out there mm. and the battle lines are being drawn again particularly um in the kind of streaming space uh but also elsewhere in 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 media and between media businesses and you know the what's going to make the difference about who wins and who doesn't is going to be nothing to do with some crazy new way of of making and consuming content it's going to be because they had the best you know good old fashioned content told in good old fashioned great ways and more than anything else a really fantastic business model and delivery model those are the only things that matter right now in my view <laughs> so sometimes we should just say what you mean mark <laughs> <laughs> um okay so what do i think uh a couple of things I'll, i'll go a little bit more technical um so the first is uh just just trying to align the entire world on a common format or way of doing <laughs> almost anything right so so the dpp has contributed to various standards initiatives over the years uh i'm i'm a huge believer in standards for for many things but I think there's something we've really seen with like IP video over the last year or two where people have just gone yeah we've got some 702110 in our core infrastructure and then we're building some studios with NDI and we're using some SRT around the place and and you know what that's okay um you know I, I feel like the the necessity the, the imperative to kind of drive everything to we must have one standard or, or format or way of doing things is I think I think we just kind of got to got to accept the world isn't that simple in in almost all cases. Um so that's that's uh, that's definitely one for me. And and just to pick up on Mark's kind of new ways of doing things. I'm I'm not going to name any specific names, but but my own sort of outrageous provocation is anything in the technical world where people tell me that the world just needs to be educated about the potential benefits of a technology. um i think is out of the window at the moment if 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 users cannot see the benefit like intuitively and obviously they're not going to have time for it at the moment yeah which of course is why chat gpt went like wildfire wasn't it because any old idiot could subscribe and experience it totally and i did any old idiot <laughs> so those were some anti predictions and some concerns about directions and things the industry still talks about what are some of the reasons that yourselves members the industry in general has to be optimistic about over the next year amidst all the financial constraints and the threat of disruption and all that stuff so 
Uh, I mean, there's the there's the trite but true answer, which is is that there's actually an awful lot of great content around at the moment. That is the thing that, that matters most in our industry. Um, but also in terms of the way the businesses are functioning and the way that operations are going, I think I'm optimistic about the fact that quite a few technologies that we've been grappling with for a long time uh, are coming to a level of maturity that we can get down to delivering business delivering content more effectively. So, you know, I touched on IP video, uh, you know, we've been talking for years about cloud. Like, these are just things now, they're just tools that we can use. Um, I've done a, a bunch of work with European broadcasters over the last few months and, and talking to them about how they are using technologies like IP, using technologies like cloud. You know, it's it's no longer kind of existential, yeah. um, you know, hair pulling and, and hand wringing. Um, it, it's about, okay, we, we feel good enough to move ahead with this. I'm not saying that without challenges, but but we feel good enough to to just get down to business, make better content, distribute it more effectively. I, I think we're in a, a good place, actually. Yeah, I really agree about that. I mean, all this, it feels like we had several years of of people kind of worrying about, you know, how will we make the journey to cloud? How will we make the journey to IP? How will we make the journey to AI? Mm-hmm. You know, we were always seemingly kind of at the start of something and yet the sort of underlying progress seemed to be minimal. I mean, we often comment on it that, you know, here we are actually talking about some of the same themes we were talking about several years ago. And I do feel like in 23 and going into 24, actually, we've taken as an industry, we've taken a big step forward and there's a, there is some real practical application of technology to deliver business ends, and uh, just as Roland's talked about. And I think we'll probably still be talking about some of the same things next year, but I think that's okay. That's probably the situation that the industry is at the moment. To use that yeah. word, journey, is like, you know, nauseating as it can be sometimes. I think that... But I think we'll be doing it in a more practical way, right? I think there could be some quite hardcore conversations going on, I think, in, in sort of DPP events. I think mm-hmm. we will start getting quite precise uh, about things and it won't it won't just be all that um, that kind of wistful hoping for improvement that I think we had a lot of between particularly about you know 2017 and 2021. Rowan you have been researching a new DPP project that's going to be released at the beginning of 2024 there have been workshops with many experts across our membership can you give us the title and any teasers or top lines from what's coming out in that AI work? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, this report will be called AI in Media, What Does Good Look Like? Um, and we've been thinking about that from a, from a couple of different angles. So the first is um, how AI is being applied, where it is most mature, um, what good solutions look like. Um, and what's really interesting there is actually a lot of it is, is maturing of use cases that we've been looking at and working on for a while. So I'm surprised how often automated metadata tagging, transcription, face recognition, and so on are coming up. Because these are technologies that have been around for a, for a good long while. Um, but where a few years ago I was hearing lots of people moaning that they, they just weren't good enough, um, I think they're becoming much more widely used and, and much more valuable. Um, the real one, actually, that, that I think is very strong right now and has been all year long is uh, localization. So I did a piece in, in February called The Future of Localization, uh, where we looked at the use of AI for dubbing and subtitling and, and so on. 
Um, and those topics are still coming up really, really strongly now. This is this is a lot of where practical AI is getting applied. Um, and then, of course, people are looking ahead to how generative AI can assist creatives uh, be used in editing workflows, be used in uh, in other parts of the production process as sort of a, a tool for creatives. I think that's, that's going to be very interesting, but we're not quite there yet. The other half of, of the report, the other, the other angle that we're looking at this from is um, sort of responsible application of AI, being good, doing good with AI. Um, and so I've had a lot of surprisingly fascinating conversations about policies and processes and legal implications. Uh, and it's been, it's been really interesting to dive into that. So if I just pull out one example, uh, a broadcaster I was speaking to recently um, who has a sort of an organization-wide AI program that's being led by a very senior leader in their editorial group um, in, the, in the news department, um, which, by the way, I think is a really, a really strong way to do this, to lead it from the editorial side. Um, and they've put in place guidance for their staff uh, around some, some sort of basic principles that I think are really nice. Uh, so be curious. So do go and experiment, but be conscious. So think about the implications of what you're doing. And that's both from the point of view of you know, what goes in front of the audience, are we being transparent and genuine and honest? Um, but also in, in terms of, you know, as a business, are, are we putting our business data into these models and, and allowing it to be ingested by, um, by LLMs or, or other tools? So really, really interesting stuff to come out of that. And I think there is some best practice that we're going to be able to draw from it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of corralling that together. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to reading the whole report, but in particular that last bit about the ethics. I was involved in a piece of work at the end of 2018, which we published at the beginning of 2019 about the business and ethical implications of implementing AI. Mm -hmm. And one of the comments and findings was that the techies knew most about this sort of area. The techies also said they had absolutely no interest in being the uh, regulators or having the governance or the ethical oversight of this. Mm. What's quite interesting was when you did ask them, they also said, we're not really sure the CEO should either. They said, <laughs> one of the comments that a piece of work did was, show me a CEO who knows anything about ethics, let alone one who knows something about artificial intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're being half serious and uh, um, half joking. But one of the findings was they said, look, you should have some kind of multidisciplinary team overseeing this or some kind of policy ready yeah. for when it happens. Maybe if you're a really big organisation, an external third-party oversight board. Mark, that's Rowan's upcoming work. You're doing your regular jolly to Las Vegas soon, aren't you? <laughs> to go to the... So jolly. <laughs> yeah. To go to the Consumer Electronics Show. I think the line you used before, I remember talking about it with you, which is, it's not a consumer electronics show really, it's more, much more about business. And I can't remember if that just sounds good or if it's true or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Could, could you give us the um, elevator pitch, the overview of why media industry professionals need to care about CES and your report that's coming up? Because clearly they do. <laughs> well, in a sense, I think uh, the the more that uh, that CES becomes a kind of anachronism as a title, uh, the more interesting it becomes as a show for people who work in professional media. Um, so the thing is that, that effectively consumer electronics died in 2007 when the iPhone was invented. I mean, <laughs> you know, ever since then, there's just not been an object or a gadget that sort of 
can transform the world in a way that that one has. And that really signaled the whole move to kind of an app-based world and to, you know, the capability that sits behind um, uh, computer technology in a device rather than kind of the device itself. And uh, that shift at CES has inevitably led to more and more of the show actually being business to business technology. That's how you deliver experiences to consumers. And you know, that, that process um, tells us a huge amount uh, about you know, what we can learn in, in media because um, you know, as, as IT becomes a common language for every industry, we actually get to learn from what other sectors are doing. There's something else even beyond that, which is that, that ultimately uh, consumer trends are about simply how people spend their time. And when you boil it right down, the great problem for media is that we can create any amount of it, but the amount of time available to consume it is constrained. And kind of that's where all the kind of struggles begin to you know, to, to survive and thrive in a, in a constrained market. So you really do need to be thinking about um, what the competition is for watching content. And what CES shows each year is there's more and more and more different types of competition. Thank you. And that will be out at the end of, or the middle of January, I believe. Yeah, about the middle of January. So actually, well, the, the show this year is the second week of January. And then I have one week to get it written and uh, designed and, and out the door so that it's still nice and fresh. Fast turnaround. Yeah. So look forward to all those pieces of content. Do you have any final words about what people can expect from the DPP in 2024 that might be different from what they've previously experienced? Well, I just think we're going to be uh, really focused on identifying exactly what does matter from a kind of business benefit point of view. Um, It's what, you know, every media organisation is highly focused on. And I know a tremendous number of vendors are focused on how they can demonstrate that they can deliver that. So I think it's going to be a pretty sort of crunchy kind of year. And, And actually, one of my predictions is that as an industry, we'll start talking much more about the kind of overall economics of the industry. I was listening to a podcast last night that, you know, the, the excellent podcast from, from Puck and, uh, and somebody there was predicting that 2024 will be in America will be the year of the online bundle, you know, and, and it's sort of like a, a way of reinventing cable for the streaming age, but could be really profound in its implications for, again, consumer experience, but also for the state of the market. And it's these kinds of big shifts, I think we'll talk about much more, you know, across the industry, and we'll talk much more about what they really mean for how we make and manage and deliver content. There's only two ways to make money in the world, bundling and unbundling. We're back into a bundling cycle right now in our industry. Um, The the only thing I'd add, actually, is that uh, for for DPP members, there are going to be more opportunities than ever before uh, in 2024 to engage with us and 
uh, more importantly, with other DPP members. Uh, so we've got some, some new outings that we'll be doing, some new places that will be popping up. Um, and uh, we're really excited about that. So a uh, packed schedule, uh, always good, keeps us on our toes. Uh, an exciting year ahead. Wonderful. And if Mark's to be believed, there's going to be a jam packed full of CFOs at these new uh, engagements. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, Thanks to Rowan and Mark, but in particular to all of our guests and listeners over the last year, please do make sure you are subscribed and do get in touch with your suggestions, questions and comments, constructive and otherwise, and we look forward to sharing more with you in 2024.